Hey, it's Travis. It's a Lobby Boy episode, our dear, sweet, wayward Lobby Boy, all alone and being scary and killing and all. We're halfway through our Behind the Curtain arc, and this monster is, I think, very scary. So let's hear the good stuff, and then on with the show. In case you're not following us on Twitter and Insta, I'll tell you here that right now, if you order a postcard from our store... I have some vintage hotel podcast stickers from like 2019 that I've been putting in with every order. Theater of Tomorrow 2 maybe even. That is while supplies last, so if you're on the fence, now's a good time. I will toss one into this month's batch of patron postcards as well, so manager, owner, and hotel tier patrons will get that when your The Solo postcards come in next month. Speaking of patrons, welcome Ollie and Phyrexian Ninja, our newest members. Thank you for joining us. And, speaking of bonus episodes and our social media, this month's bonus artist has been on our list for a while, and I know I say that every time, but there's so many amazing artists, and we can only hire one a month right now, so I'm probably going to keep saying it. Her name is Roxy, and you absolutely must check her Insta and Twitter at... CupidMic2000, C-U-P-I-D-M-C, the number 2000. Follow her like all the art, Cuphead fans especially. She has this incredible old-fashioned 1970s style. It's a lot of fiddly lines and swooping colors. It's stunning and engaging. And the piece Roxy did for us for this month's bonus episode is a beautiful and deadly addition to our collection. Check out our Twitter and Insta to see it. This month's bonus episode sees the hotel herself trying to check in a guest scare B&B style. And to make sure the staff doesn't interfere, she has transformed them a bit. Patrons will hear exactly how on the 30th with the pets. Krista went all out in this one. They get all those episodes early as they do all our episodes, plus the community artist postcards mailed right to them by me. Thank you, patrons. Sign up to etc. 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 Okay. What watches when it smiles? Let's all find out together. bedroom, one bed, one bath, direct beach access, private palm cove, king-size bed, soaking tub, and a DVD player. Sheltered spa for honeymooners, treatments, and yoga lessons cost extra. 45 minutes to the nearest town, $2,000 a night. Some burnt black thing may be watching with a wicked grin and yellow eyes, but it keeps its extra long arms to itself. Mostly. Key is under the mat. Yeah. 
heavy feet. I carry a simple weight. It is not much, but for me it is heavy. I am in the dark, behind a veil of leaves and branches. Huge leaves, bigger than my hands and feet, taller than I am. Everything seems taller than I am here. I'm so close to the ground. I feel so close to the ground. I I have to twist my squat body to look around. My neck is thick and short. More leaves, more branches. It's almost nice, but above me the canopy breaks away. There are tall, tall skinny trees with sharp spiky leaves towering high above me. Above them are stars shining bright. I look away quickly. They were looking back at me. I don't want them to sweep me up into the sky. I shut my bulging eyes tight, as tight as I can. The stars are there, too, smearing and sliding against the nothing I tried to escape to. The white smears bleed into each other, reducing the darkness more. They leave me with nothing and overwhelm me, forcing my eyes open. When I do, the darkness of the surrounding trees is almost... almost comforting again. But one light followed me down from the sky and didn't vanish with the rest when I opened my eyes. It dances right in front of me, laughing at me, mocking me. It twinkles like one of those stars, flutters and winks at me. No, it's not here, it's over there, distant. The wind makes the leaves tremble and the light trembles with them. The plants are trying to hide me, keep me safe from that light, safe from its sweeping smears, safe from destruction. I hold perfectly still and wait for instruction. I... Instruction from... From... Another light appears. Brighter. Closer. 
The leaves tremble gently, but I still have to squint just to see. I try to hold my hand up in front of my face, but it's so heavy. My arms are as long as my body and my fists drag on the ground at my long feet. But the light is so bright, it hurts. It hurts my eyes so much. I squint and try to roll my head away, but I can barely move. I slowly raise my hand past my protruding belly, slowly over my wide shoulders, and it trembles, too, by the time it gets to my eyes. Can't. Can't do it. I let it drop heavily into the sand. But then, someone steps into the light. A figure looking into the brush where I'm hiding. I can't see her. Her? No, I don't know who. Who is she laughing at? The wind and the plants and the stars themselves, all laughing at me, trembling and giggling and blinding me with their terrible light. I don't need the protection of the leaves. I don't need the comfort of the darkness. I don't need these lights all around me watching me. I don't need to be kept safe. I stretch out my vast arm again, reaching for her. She waves back. Maybe she's beckoning me. Maybe she's warning me away. I don't care. I reach my other arm out for her. They look twice as long as I am tall. I slide one foot in dirty sand, inching my way forward. My husky body rocks, and I tilt it over my other foot, agonizingly slowly. I shuffle on. My fingers are separate, but don't separate. Pressed together into gnarled hooks, like the farthest branches of a very old tree. My arms shake with pain and effort, but I am getting closer. My huge mouth twists itself into knots and I can feel my rounded yellow teeth grind together. The light gets brighter as I push through the thick leaves. My arms swing pendulously, clearing away the thicket. My flat feet bend the grass down and break the sprouting life trying to grow there. My presence here 
is all I need to carve a path. My steady force of will drives me to the light. I'll crush it, too. It isn't easy. A stinky bile rises from my stomach and burns my chest on its way out. I breathe hard through my teeth, dripping something murky down my front. It mixes with the sand, and my heavy feet press it into hard pack. Everything I touch slows or breaks or hardens. The stillness and the darkness spreads from me, spreads from my, my actions. I want to share my darkness with the light. I want to share my stillness with the laughter. I will compress the world beneath my bulk and nothing that laughs or trembles will escape my reach. I cough up something vile that stains my teeth yellow. Streams of putrid nothing drip down from my yellow eyes. My body does not need to rest, but it aches and tires. It shakes and sweats, and I drag my filth through this green living place because filth is what I am. And I am tired of trying to make myself clean. I will share my filth with the light, too. And this woman who laughs, she laughs and waves, and the trees wave back, and the wind laughs with her. My hands break through the branches and brush, and I heave my arms into a tired frenzy. They thrash, slowly, but with a strength that will never break. I finally let them drop, and when the sprays of sand they kick up fall, it sounds like the relieved sighs of a dozen dead breaths. Staying at the edge of the brush, I creep into the blinding light. She's there, wrapped in light. She is like me, putrid, wrapped also in rot, something vile pouring from her head onto her dress. Both of us stink like death, and worse. She isn't here to keep me safe, though. She isn't here to save me. The light is coming from her, too. The stars watch me from her eyes. It creeps out from the rotten holes in her head and 
streaks of torn flesh in her skin. Bright lights swirl and spin deep inside her mouth. She's saying something to me, but no sound comes out. I, I feel my body go slack as she speaks. She moves like she's underwater, her constant waving. She's pointing behind her, pulling me forward with her decaying, dancing fingers. My eyes bulge out, trying to see somehow through the white light surrounding her. I can't. She... The light inside her swells and slides and catches with the light behind her until I can't see her at all anymore. (laughs) (laughs) And then she's gone. The light remains. Some of the light. Not the light she took with her, but the light the trees made laugh at me remains. It's just a glass bulb stuck to the side of a small house on the beach. It's not painful or burning or too bright to look at. It's just sitting there, small and squat, and taking up space. There's a window facing me too, and light beams out from inside. A man is there, phone in one hand, pen in the other. Papers cover the short table in front of him. He's scribbling things and concentrating hard. I don't think he's on vacation. I don't think he's a... guest. I think he owns the... the... the building. He sits back on the couch and laughs into his phone. He opens his mouth wide and laughs with all his two white teeth at something he thinks is very funny. I don't think it's funny at all. Behind me is a trail of crushed, bent, mangled green that also laughed at me. I pushed through it, looking to put out the light, looking for her, and I found him. I reach out my arms to him. I slide my foot forward toward him. I will put out the light. I will put out the cruel light of this laughing man who thinks he is safe from my darkness. Darkness. Darkness.
Hey, this is Travis with a brief ad break. Thanks for listening. Now back to the hotel. My arms shake and my feet inch and my back aches. But I'm getting closer. I am slow. So he doesn't notice movements. My skin is the same burnt black as the sky, so he cannot see me in the dark. My eyes are wide, so I can see everything. My arms are long, so I can grab him before he knows it's too late. My grin is wide, but that's just for me. I shuffle and grunt and ooze for what feels like a simple eternity until my crooked hands finally grasp the window frame. I rest for a moment, only a moment, and wait for him to notice me. Wait for him to look up from his petty paperwork and see my bulging eyes and horrible smile. I tread closer pulling myself with my strong arms until my wide face is inches from the glass. My breath steams and fogs it, and the man becomes a blurred, smeary image of himself. I slide my hand up and wipe my breath away. The glass squeaks softly, like that. Once it's clean, I drop my hand to my side and he sees me. He's frozen in confused terror. I like that too. At first, he holds very still to see if I'm real to see if I will move. I don't. Not much. But my shallow breaths lightly fog the glass again. He stands up slowly. He claps his hands at me once. Again. He throws one of the little pillows from his couch at the window. It bounces off right in front of my face, but I don't move. He's trying to convince himself I'm an animal, but I look too human for that. Not human, of course, but too human to be anything other than a nightmare. A creature... An impossible something that smiles at him, 
but does not wish him well. He picks up his phone to call someone for help. I can't hear him. As he speaks, he walks slowly, just just as slowly as I walked across the beach toward the window. He looked in my eyes up close and saw me looking back. That's when he knew what my smile meant. He whips the curtain closed, but I put my hand through the glass as if it wasn't there at all. I grab hold of him through the curtain. I caught his arm. He screams then, a sputtering, pleading, surprised scream that falls out of him in sharp pieces like the broken glass at his feet. He drops his phone and tries to pull himself free from my grip. I squeeze just a little and shatter his wrist. He screams again. Properly this time. I pull myself over the window frame while he screams, and he tries to push me back. He's tangled up in his own curtain, though, and his head hangs loose and trembling like a leaf on a tree. I have to let go of him so I don't fall over once I crawl in. He thrashes the curtain off and cradles his useless hand close to his chest. He's crying and swearing at me now, trying to reason with himself, rationalize me away, but I'm not going anywhere. And neither is he. I reach my arm out to him before he can back out of my reach. He tries to swap me away in his panic. I grab his other arm and give it a little squeeze. His bones splinter into the surrounding meat. I wriggle my hand and his arm shreds into uselessness. He drops to his knees and we're eye to terrible eye. Please, he manages to spit through his tears. I let go of him and he almost passes out from the pain. Fear and adrenaline keep him here with me. He tries to stand up, but without the use of his arms and his body going into shock, all he manages to do is flop backwards onto the floor. I watch him crawl on his elbows while he fights the pain in panic. I watch as he inches slowly deeper into this shell of a home. It's not big, but it takes him a long time to get to the door. I watch as he realizes he can't use the doorknob with his broken limbs. 
He flops his hands on it, smearing it with blood. He tries to get his arms around it. He even tries biting it. The pain is too much. The flesh is weak. He collapses with his back to the door, facing me with tears and terror in his eyes. He isn't laughing anymore, but I'm still smiling. I let one hooked hand drag on the floor and hold the other one up in a slow wave. He screams and pounds his head against the door in frustration. The wind blows in from outside and whispers broken promises on my hard skin. For a long time, we stare at each other from across the room. Both of us breathing hard, our faces wet, and our limbs terrible. He tries to talk to me. It sounds like he's speaking through a dream of a dream. I hear his words, but they don't mean anything. After a while, he gets very sweaty and pale. He looks sickly. He nods off. His body is trying to shut down, but he knows he won't ever wake up if he does, so he jerks himself back into consciousness. This sends new waves of pain through his swelling, purpling limbs. He puts a cold look in his eyes and tries to get angry. He thinks that will save him. I smile back, so he knows it won't. He grits his teeth and pushes his back into the door, scooting himself up onto his feet, so I scoot my feet forward. This stops him. He doesn't like when I get closer. He pushes himself up a little higher, and I shuffle a little closer. Up. Closer. Up. Closer. When he's finally standing, panting hard and white as the moon, that's when I raise my arms out to him. His heart sinks and his eyes well up. He shakes his head and his precious anger is nowhere to be found. He doesn't try to fight me this time, and when I get my hands around him, I hold him there until I creep all the way to the door. Then I go to work. He screamed so loud and for so long that 
I can almost still hear it as I shuffle back across the beach to my dark curtain of branches and leaves. I can hear it echo beneath the stars as his blood steams off my body in the cool night air. The lights are on, but they don't bother me anymore. The wind still makes the trees laugh as I settle into my place there. But it's fine now. I don't mind now. I still don't like looking at the stars. But I know if I wait in my place behind the curtain, she'll find me. She's coming for me. Who, whoever sh she is, wherever I am, wherever I'm supposed to be, none of it matters. I sit back on my heels and slump over my belly. I let my arms hang loose and limp in the flat brush under my feet. I smile from that place, and I watch the lights in the house on the beach tremble between the leaves. I don't know who I'm waiting for, but I know she will find me. For now, I watch, and I smile. We're sorry for being unable to host you in our home, your hotel for the night. The listing's owner had to be carried out in bags and buckets. And there's a bloody smile watching from the bushes as a monster waits to be saved by something worse. The Hotel was created and produced by Travis McMaster and Mark Whitten. Starring Kelly Ninaltowski as the manager. Mark Whitten as the lobby boy. Graham Rowett as the owner. And Krista Lewis. Music by Lauren Picorni, West Rodri, and special guest composer Zach Tatum-Drake. 